0: We are going through the entire summer, we're going through the wisdom writing of Proverbs. And so if you have your Bible, you can open right into the basic middle of the book. And we are going to start at least in Proverbs 12. And I say start there because really this entire series through Proverbs has been more than a verse-by-verse style of examination. We're, we're rather looking theme by theme. The overarching invitation as you study this book is to just get wisdom, to understand how God designed our lives to work and to thrive and to be blessed. And it it unfolds through these themes or these categories that God teaches us how to find wisdom in. And so if you were here last week as an example, we looked at wisdom for a really understated category of our life, especially as you think about sermons that you've heard or or ways that you have been encouraged in the word, Very rarely do we specifically talk about friendship. And yet, if you read the Proverbs, there were so many ways that the theme of friendship is a way for our lives to be blessed. And it's something that God gives us almost as a necessity by which we can grow and thrive and sharpen one another. So last week we looked at a less popular theme. This week we're going to continue in the category of relationships. But now we're going to talk about a relationship that is so predominant. It's a relationship that affects so many of our lives right now. It's something that all of us have certainly thought about or been impacted by. And yet, it can be so often a landmine of a conversation of what, how to really do this conversation well. So if you're forecasting what I'm about to say, um, did any of you guess that we are going to be talking about the relationship specifically of marriage today? Um, marriage is one of those predominant themes that you'll find in the wisdom writings as a way for us to learn how to have blessed lives with each other in community, also a way for us to understand God. And yet it is one of those topics that no doubt as soon as I said marriage, there was a a, a variety of different responses to what I'm actually going to say. It may have landed on some ears that, Uh, Or belong to a single person. Uh, It may have landed uh, awkwardly into uh, some ears that uh, a couple sitting next to one another getting to know each other. I know in first service a couple met here for church and they just decided to meet at church and kind of feel each other out and it's like topic of marriage. It's like, oh boy, (laughs) picked a strange Sunday to go to. Certainly, I look out, I see some existing marriages. Some of them, no doubt, are thriving. Some of them may be surviving. Some people are probably on the other side of a marriage. And so the word, it just lands so so differently for so many of you. And in fact, it is now a word that lands so differently just across the airwaves of culture. What are we even talking about when we talk about marriage? So um, just to. Just to prepare our hearts and minds, I want to just do one small exercise. I want you to try your best to think right back to one minute ago when I said the word marriage and fill in the blank. Marriage is blank. What do you think of when you think of this topic? What's going through your heart and your mind as we consider a theme of the Proverbs in such a specific way? And then in reference to just the the cultural conversation, let me fill in the blank for you. Uh, a, A conversation that probably is happening, whether we like it or not, outside of the walls of the church. Here are some common answers that you may have heard just by tuning in to the chatter of our day. How about marriage is an outdated tradition? It's outdated. It's belongs to religious people, but uh, we have progressed, and now we think so much clearer about how everything should work, and it just needs to be updated for our modern minds and our modern situations. How about marriage is unnecessary? You can have all of the benefits of of those things that once just belonged to husband and wife, and now marriage is really just a piece of paper. Uh, Take it or leave it and do whatever you want. And sadly, some would say marriage is just a recipe for divorce. Marriage is a commitment that you are taking, and it's like flipping a coin whether or not it's even going to work, so why even go down the road? Here's an expert from a book on the topic. It says, the U.S. marriage rate is plummeting, and today it's at its lowest level ever. When sociologist Michael Kimmel interviewed young men across the country, he found that Many report having a difficult time making a transition to serious adult relationships, even when they want to, because of years of engaging in casual sex that has left the youth self centered and immature for serious relationships. Uh, How many of you have felt that? Maybe in your uh, experience of dating or trying to figure out how to transition into actually thinking about marriage. So today we're going to consider what the Proverbs specifically can do to just give us a view of marriage. And as we've been going through the Proverbs, one of our overarching themes is just instructions for life. But I want to be clear that this morning we're going to get less instruction and more Understanding. Remember, wisdom unfolds with wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Uh, Sometimes you just have to understand what it is we're looking at. Uh, Just understand what what we're talking about or experiencing with the topic of marriage. So today we're going to look at marriage through the lens of understanding. I'll make a couple disclaimers before we do. So, disclaimer number one, I actually can share with you on the screen. It says, Since a father addresses his son in Proverbs, this proverb is stated from the man's perspective, but a mother could write similar Proverbs for her daughter. So the framing of the entire book of Proverbs is for a father to pass down wisdom to his son. So he's giving this from a father to a son's perspective, but this disclaimer essentially says mothers and daughters or fathers and daughters could have similar topics, uh, not just for what a husband is looking for in a wife, but what a wife could be considering for a husband. So that's disclaimer Uh, one. The second disclaimer, and I think this is important, anytime you go down a road where there's going to be immediate impact, because some of you are married now, some of you, like I said, may be surviving rather than thriving, uh, the intention of viewing the Proverbs to gain understanding, just like all areas of the Proverbs, is to bring fresh perspective on how we can look at it with new lens, biblical eyes, and not fresh condemnation. So we're not going to go through this and I I don't want to see any nudging like, see, I told you, this is exactly what I've been telling you. Or I don't want you to think, wow, this happens to be the Sunday that this person didn't come to church. Well, I am going to send them the copy with a sad emoji and the point of the finger. So, with those things in mind, when we go through the scripture, uh, it's my hope that it always is a tool of edification, of building up, and of washing, and cleansing, so that we can just get onto the the perfect will of God for whatever he has in the way that he wants to speak to each one of us, whatever your category happens to be this morning. So, we'll start in Proverbs chapter 12, and what we're going to do is allow the Proverbs to fill in the blank. As we... Ask that question and it was, you had an opportunity to kind of allow your heart to stir for what is marriage. Uh, now we're going to look at the Proverbs and say marriage is this. And we're going to look at a few Proverbs to help the Bible uh, give us reference point to what would best fill in that blank. So Proverbs chapter 12 verse 4. An excellent wife is the crown of her husband. But she who causes shame is like rottenness in his bones. And remember our disclaimer. uh, We're we're using this as a a way to view marriage, not necessarily just the role of a woman or the role of a husband. But I think think the disclaimer holds true here. It's true that when God provides you with that helpmate that is going to be your uh, partner in the marriage covenant, it can go one of two directions. And I think what this is trying to help us understand, which the Proverbs are so good at elevating our view of things, is that marriage is extremely powerful. And that's how we're going to fill in the first blank. The the proverb writer is not just saying, hey, find a wife or find a husband, and you've got the crown and the trophy of the next level of life. He's saying one potential is that when you find an excellent person to be your helpmate, it is like a crown of glory. It's like God honoring you with, a, with what you, know, you could say is a better half. But be careful. Be careful as we are outsiders looking into God's design for bringing people together because it has the power to go both directions. I think of the first power. It's, it's like glorious crown, a crown of glory. Just the joy of knowing that this is true. And I think that any of you who are still hoping for marriage, I hope you're hoping it with this lens. That someday God may bring someone into your life that would be a reward to your life. A a gift to your life that would bring more glory of God into your life. And I think that that is one way we can have that fresh perspective that this is one of the ways the Proverbs wants to understand us to understand marriage. It is a gift of glory in our lives. One of my favorite parts about being a pastor is oftentimes I get invited to officiate weddings. And there are so many great parts of the wedding. But I can tell you the best part is always the moment in the wedding when the officiant and the groom have the honor of that, that time when the bride comes around the corner or comes through the doors. The officiant says, everyone rise. Don't do it now. <laughs> and then there is that glance of the bride coming down to join the groom. And it always reminds me of the very first biblical reference point to a marriage in Genesis chapter 2. Remember, All through the Genesis account. It's the creation account and God is making the world for us to inhabit. And he says, everything was good. Day one through six, it is good. It is good. It is good. And then he sees the man that he made. He says, it's not good. There's something that needs to be added to this person to enhance them. He says, it's not good for man to be alone. And then he causes a deep sleep to fall on man and Adam has this moment when he wakes up and he sees his bride for the first time. It's that wedding ceremony moment. And he says, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. That is the best moment because it's almost as if the crown is being placed in that moment. And it's the, it's the moment the tears start to flow first. I am the worst officiant ever because I'm always crying in that moment too, like getting ready to do the wedding. And it is with that that the ceremony is representing what God's vision for marriage is, that that moment would represent two lives coming together, and that moment would be lived out in your life, and that you would not lose the essence of that moment when you look into your spouse's Eyes and you consider all that God is calling you to do together. Marriage has incredible power to influence your life to great things and great joy and incredible, glorious moments. And it is also true. Within one chapter of the Bible, the moment between Adam and Eve goes to a moment between Adam and God when he says, the woman that you gave me has caused this Shame to fall upon me. And this is now what the Proverbs writer is reminding us. Marriage is not just some random thing. It's not like a random game that God wants us to play with all of our friends and family where we get to dress up and have fun and eat cake and then go forth and be married. Marriage has a design to it. And when the design goes wrong, it's like rottenness to the bones. It can be a crown or it can be a cancer. It can be something that absolutely blesses your life and it can be something that burdens your life unto absolute death of the soul. And as a pastor, I can reference that moment where the, the, uh, the ceremony is thriving and beautiful. And I can also tell you that there may be no harder thing that I've walked through people with than when a marriage goes off the rails. And when there has been shame that enters into the marriage through the form of sin or anti-wisdom, when people start doing things outside of God's design and they're no longer honoring one another, they're no longer sacrificing their lives for one another, they're no longer loving one another, the violation has been broken, lies have entered in, deceit has entered in, and when that happens, marriage is an absolute death to your life. It is without exception. Some of the people that I'm walking with right now in prayer and encouragement are people who are going through the train wreck of when marriage goes off the rails. Why do we say that? I say that because when we speak into the culture that we live in, when we consider the topic for all of us, we are considering something that has a design that is absolutely influential in getting right. It is not something that we can just try to do on our own or something we can take or leave. Earlier this year, we had a moment in the Gospel of Mark where Jesus talks about how important it is that when God brings people together, they're never separated, with few exceptions. And there's an entire message we gave on the exceptions for divorce, and some of you may need to hear that. But in that sermon, I shared a quote as to how serious the separation is once people come together together. And I'll share it again with you now so that we understand what rottenness of the bones requires to heal. C.S. Lewis says in Mere Christianity, They regard divorce, meaning Christians. He's speaking Mere Christianity as though uh, he's people trying to understand what Christians believe. They regard divorce as something like cutting up a body. As a kind of surgical operation. Some of them think the operation is so violent that it cannot be done at all. Others admit it is a desperate remedy in extreme cases. They all agree that it is more like having both your legs cut off than it is dissolving a business partnership. So may we remember the power of our marriage. For those of us who walked in here in the covenant of marriage, it's going one of two ways. You are going towards the crown or you are going towards the cancer, it is God's word that will make the dividing line clear to you. For those of you who are outside looking in and you're wondering about the necessity of marriage, you're filling in the blank. This is why we have the topic. Because if you have ever thought marriage is a take it or leave it piece of paper, and you can do whatever you want with the design of man and woman, then you are playing with an atomic bomb. (laughs) I, uh, I thought of a reference point to our culture. You know, just not getting married. We're just not going to do the ceremony. But you do everything else. You're essentially play-acting marriage. You are doing everything that God wants to exist within the covenant of marriage without the covenant. And you are walking towards danger. And I thought of being a kid... Uh, growing up in Idaho. Idaho used to be uh, less densely populated. Some of you remember that. Especially in Eagle, Idaho. It was mostly I grew up on a dirt road that has now got you know, traffic light near it. Uh, but when I was growing up, my parents had cars who just left the keys in them. And the exact age is uncertain. Anywhere from 9 to 10, I started driving these cars around Eagle, driving to town and back. And... Of course, even back then, Idaho wasn't giving license to a 10-year-old. I was driving without a license. Driving without a license did not mean that I was free from the dangers of car driving. At any point, I could have gotten a head-on collision. At any point, I could have still gotten into the trouble that comes with all of the ways that a license is preparing you for the actual act of driving. I was just doing it to my own danger doesn't mean I avoid the problem. And avoiding an actual covenant of marriage does not mean that you get to avoid all of the rottenness that exists when man and woman come together and play-act marriage. You can play-act living together, and you can play-act sleeping together, and you can play-act doing everything together, and you can pretend you're just boyfriend and girlfriend, but you're going to have to play-act divorce when it goes off the rails. You're going to have to play-act heartbreak and rottenness of the bones And all of those things will be just as real as if you had a ceremony, as if you just, over time, moved all of your stuff in together and started pretending you were husband and wife. It is more than a piece of paper. It is honoring the design of God. So marriage is extremely powerful. And now we continue. A couple more Proverbs for you. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 24. It is better to dwell in a corner of a housetop than in a house that is shared with a contentious woman. This is the ancient days, this is the proverb that says, sometimes you have to sleep on a couch in marriage. And it goes on to say, in Proverbs chapter 19, a foolish son is the ruin of his father, and the contentions of a wife are a continual dripping. Uh, The word contention is a common theme And the proverb writer, the wisdom, is saying it's a contention that leads to something that is really difficult to the point of sleeping in separate areas and liking it to something that's really annoying, like a continual dripping over and over and over again. And just as in understanding marriage is powerful, what we have to understand is that there is a bar to marriage. There is a bar that we are Joining in, 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 in the relationship and saying, this is something we have to take seriously. But this proverb, these collection of proverbs are reminding us that the bar is not perfection. This is especially helpful for those still on the outside looking in, that there are all sorts of proverbs to tell the, the, the married people and forecast contentions, arguing, fighting, difficulty. And so for this fill-in-the-blank, what we have to acknowledge and recognize and remember about this whole process is marriage is, in fact, hard. Marriage is not something that is supposed to be a 50-year commitment to falling in love like you're on a honeymoon. Marriage is not they get married and Disney happily ever after forever and always— Marriage is full of contentions that remind us that marriage is hard. There will be arguments, there will be difficulties. In fact, as I was going through this, I couldn't help but think of my own marriage and I just thought, you know, I'm gonna share some of these thoughts with my wife. And I showed her this particular portion that marriage is hard and she said, no, it is not. And I was like, yes, it is. It's very hard. And she's like, no, it's not. You shouldn't overcomplicate it. Don't make it hard. And I was like, see, this is the very exact moment I'm talking about. We don't always see eye to eye, even about how hard something is. (laughs) And she, you know, so romantically said, being married to you is easy. And I was like, oh, I wish I would have thought of that. (laughs) But I love the Proverbs because they take a little bit of thinking. What this is not meant to say is husbands, avoid all contention with your wife. Avoid a woman who does not respect your ultimate authority and just doesn't do exactly what you want. She comes up with things that just bother you like a drip in the hole of your ceiling. I think rather what this is saying is sometimes when there is a continual drip, it is not just meant to be annoying, it is meant to point to an actual problem. A continual drip is something to remind you that something needs your attention so that it can be healed and it can be fixed. So that your drip doesn't turn into an actual hole and your ceiling doesn't cave in. And as one commentator put it, like homes require constant maintenance, so a marriage requires constant work. You have to revisit your commitment to one another. You have to revisit your life together. And one of the reasons marriage is hard is because it can show continual drip of how the work that needs to be done starts with you. I think marriage is kind of like parenting. They say that parenting is easy until you have kids. And I think it's the same. You're a really good person in your mind. And single people, you'll just have to take my word for this. You're so patient and you're so kind. And you see married people quarrel and you'll be like, wow, they need counseling. I hope that I, hope that I never have to deal with someone like that. You are that person. You just don't have, you don't have a spouse to point it out yet. The continual dripping reminds us that God always uses the hard to sharpen. God always uses people to speak into our life, and there is no one who can speak into your life better with God-honoring contentions than the person that you share a bed with. So we, we change our view from a drip being annoying to a drip being something that we actually need to give our attention to. Marriage is powerful. Marriage is hard. And with those two things left on their own, Marriage may be something that is better left untried. If it's so powerful and it can so easily become something that turns into a cancer of my soul, if it's something that becomes hard and I have this person just continually telling me how I can grow and be a better servant and a better partner, wouldn't it be easier to just not? Wouldn't it be easier to just kind of allow each relationship to refine me from one to the next and as soon as things get too hard, I can just leave Well, now we fill in the blank with something that is fundamental to the entire view that we have on being married or hoping for marriage or understanding what God's design is. And it is in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 22, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord think one of the most important things that we can do to stand on the foundation of God's design in our time is to acknowledge that we fill in that blank by saying marriage is in fact a good thing. Marriage is something that we can hope for, we can look for, we can enter into, and it can be used to experience God's blessing in our lives. As it says in Genesis, one of the first views of man is that he could use a helpmate. That he could, it was not good for him to be alone. And the word says, if you find a wife, you find something that is good. Keep that view on the outside looking in for your search, that you are looking for a good thing. And that proverb is a memory verse for anyone who's married. Because like anything that is hard and has the potential to go one of two directions towards blessing and burden, there will be times when you wonder if the powerful in the heart is worth it. And time and time again, we have to be refreshed that yes, in fact, God is doing something good in my life with this person. And as a lesson in that, so important that when you read Proverbs chapter 19, verse 13, which is a verse that I think can so easily be put in the category of a contention woman being annoying, it's so important you continue to read the Proverbs. Because look what it says in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 14, the very next proverb Houses and riches are an inheritance from the Father. So, you know, the continual dripping, that was your inheritance. You can blame your Father for that, your inheritance will wear out. There's so many views you can have about the continual dripping as an inheritance that belongs to the gift that your fathers gave you. But, in contrast, a prudent wife is from the Lord. I'm so grateful for that transition from contention to prudence. From what can be considered nagging to what could be considered amazing discernment. Here's how one person put it. Foresight and discretion... Are the, virtues, are the virtuous and loving versions of nagging. There's a fine line between feeling like someone is nagging and feeling like someone is offering godly counsel. A prudent wife. Prudence is in the family of words that could be surrounding wisdom. So here's a really good view as we consider this word prudence of what it means. It says, prudence is the virtue of being careful and wise in making decisions and judgments. A prudent person exercises foresight and direction, discretion in various aspects of life, such as relationships and health and financial matters to achieve the most favorable outcome. And the word says that God helps you with a prudent person coming from the gift of God to bring discretion and foresight for the best plan that he has for you. And so I hope that this can, again, refresh our perspective so that when we do have things that we need to talk about as man and woman, working together as helpmates, we're talking about them in the category of prudence. And I thought about all of the ways that I could easily wrongfully think that my wife is being an annoying drip of water when she's actually a blessed person of prudence given to me by God. So here's some examples I thought of. My wife is always encouraging me to eat vegetables. And I sometimes look at that like just a drip, like just stop the drip. I don't like vegetables. I like greasy food. And yet, she's right. My wife encourages me to go to the doctor and allow medical professionals to examine my body in ways that will lead to healthy diagnosis. Sometimes that feels like such a drip. I don't want to go to the doctor. I don't care. She's like, I care and I want you to live. And I'm like, thank you. And I realize she sounds like someone who really loves me. She encourages me to spend time with my kids and to not allow uh, work-life balance to get out of Kilter. She reminds me to call my grandmother, who I love. She reminds me to pay my parking tickets. She reminds me to be a spiritual leader for our home. She encourages me to lead our family in prayer and wisdom. And all of these are a fork in the road and the contentions and the prudence of marriage that we need refreshing in, lest our pride and our own ideas for how everything should work turn that into nagging and not an amazing encouragement. And we come here to allow that to happen for all of our marriages And we come here to have a view of what God wants to provide to our lives, not just a crown of of vanity and not just a checklist of something that Christians often do, but as God wills, according to God's design for your life, someone who would come and help edify the sanctification process of God in your life. How are we doing with that? Is that who we are to one another? And I'll end by saying that it says that he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Meaning it's not a bad thing. And it's not the greatest thing. As we come into the sanctuary to praise God for all that he's given us, we do not come as a social class of those who are single and then those who are elevated to marriage. And those of us who have marriage, we just primarily focus on how great the marriage is. We come here with the common denominator that the greatest thing is the love of God that is broad and wide for all of us. And the view of marriage is simply a better or a a clearer way for man and woman together to understand that. So we read Proverbs chapter 18 verse 22 again. It says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Favor is God's undeserved grace for all of us. Marriage is not an exercise of a theology of works. It is not an exercise in a theology of scorekeeping. Who's better? Who owes who? It is always, as most things are, a gift from God to understand his favor and not our filthy rags. Marriage is a gift of grace. And I think about the ceremonies that I'm often asked to be a part of, and there is a moment when the marriage covenant absolutely, perfectly symbolizes nothing but the grace of God. In one of the vows that we offer as a church, it says, It makes all of these commitments in and out of season and whether life is hard. And ultimately, they are only commitments made possible through the favor of God. So if you've been married, think about them anew as I read these. If you're not married, may all of this not point you to how you can do better or how someone else could come into your life and make it better. But just a better view of marriage ultimately being just a picture of the grace of God. Consider it this way. Grace is sufficient. The grace of God is sufficient in good times and in bad. The grace of God is sufficient for richer or for poorer. The grace of God in sickness and in health. The grace of God in sorrow and in joy. Marriage is a covenant of grace. And it is for this reason that marriage is a symbol of Christ and his church. We are saved by grace not of works, lest anyone should boast. And we are joined together as one by grace. Marriage is a gift of grace. So, in conclusion, some things to go forth and remember. I'll give you three things to maybe remember as you are an outsider looking in on marriage, considering marriage, and for all of us to remember today for the people that God has called us to be married to. First, remember the beginning. Marriage is the favor of God. James chapter 1 says, Don't be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. God gives good gifts, and he doesn't change his mind. And God brought that person into your life to form this relationship with that turned into marriage it says that you found a good thing and there's no shadow of turning. Remember where it came from. Remember the joy of coming together. Remember before all the layers of life got complicated and, and you have to sift through all of the burdens. Remember that God had blessed you and God will continue to bless you as you trust Him as the perfect gift giver. Remember your end. And this is just good in life to sometimes zoom out and remember what it is you're walking towards. I was talking to one person this week about marriage and they said, I always try to keep this in mind. Whenever there's contentions or challenges or marriages get hard, what am I fighting for? Are you fighting just to win an argument? Are you fighting to to just prove each other wrong, to get one up? Or is there a bigger picture in mind? And with marriage... You have to keep the big picture in mind because in all of the ways we just read that covenant, it finishes by saying, until death do us part. Marriage is the gift of God's grace that you will be able to experience as long as you trust him in it. And the goal of marriage is for one of you to show up at the other one's funeral as the guest of honor. It's good to keep that in mind. It's good to remember that you are walking towards death together. That you will be there ups and downs and it is only possible by the grace of God. And so finally, wherever you're at in answering this question, what does this land on for you? Remember the power of grace. Remember that it is all grace, the power of grace to offer free forgiveness that you receive freely. I love what Jesus says to a woman. She comes and she weeps at his feet and she washes his feet and, and, and she was not considered to be high enough status of the culture to be uh, ministering to him. And so someone questioned what was happening. And Jesus says, you know what's happening? She's been forgiven of much, so she loves much. That's a really good thing to remember in marriage. It says, to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. So when we come to praise God and remember the grace that we stand under, the salvation that we stand on, we are coming weekly to hold in our hands bread and wine that reminds us of the incredible price of our free forgiveness. And Jesus says, every time you gather, I just want you to hold my body and blood in your hands and remember how much I loved you. I forgive you of everything Wash clean by my blood. And with that forgiveness in mind, forgive, give grace. Be people who receive and extend grace to one another. And there may be no better way to practice that and between husband and wife. And I know that there is no sermon that lands perfectly. Some of you probably are going through difficult times. Some of you have been through difficult times, but I'm trusting that when we focus all of our attentions on the grace of God, we allow him to speak into our hearts and minds in the exact way that each one of us need to hear his voice.